0: I have no doubt Sydney's Blake Fitzpatrick deserves a place in the upper echelon of Australia's harness racing drivers. He's just 35, he's been race driving for 18 years, but by the end of this year, given ordinary luck, he'll be very close to the remarkable milestone of 2,000 winners. According to Harness Racing New South Wales records, he's hovering around the 1880 mark at this time. He didn't get serious about training until 2011-12 season, but he's already posted well over 600 winners in that field. He's a natural horseman with a flair for race driving, and it's clearly obvious that horses really like him. Blake's dad Paul has won 7 Sydney Metro Training Premierships, and his brother Gavin is a highly respected driver with more than 1500 wins to his credit. The greatest compliment paid to Blake came from Brian Hancock, who retired from race driving around 2003 when Blake was just 19. Brian continued to train, but he used young Blake exclusively on all of his horses. Blake, a great compliment, and from Brian Hancock, a special compliment because he'd been one of your role models.
1: Yeah, absolutely, John. Very kind words and good morning. Uh, yeah, that was something that really boosted my career and came came with pressure also, but um, something I'll always be very grateful for.
0: We'll talk about Brian's horses later in our chat, Blake, but let's go back to the beginning. That magical first winner came at the now defunct Fairfield track. The date was the 27th of March, two thousand. It was a C3, C4 class. You drove a mare called Temporama. I don't know if you remember this, but she was at seven to four on. That might have been a bit of pressure at that stage.
1: Yeah, definitely, John. I was was always good to get the first winner out of the way, but I remember the day like it was yesterday, actually, and uh, she was a special horse to us, to our family. Mum and Dad and some close friends of ours had bred the mare, and... Mm. She, she was a, a quality mare that went on to win quite a few races. So, uh, yeah, it was always great to get that first winner out of the way and get the monkey off your back.
0: It was sad to see the Fairfield track close down about 18 months ago after 53 years of continuous harness racing. It's now a sporting and cultural precinct, uh, soccer fields, I think, in the main. But in the early days, Blake, I can remember 45 bookmakers working at the Fairfield Trotting Track.
1: Yeah, I can believe it, John. I, I never saw them days, but it was a track that I grew up at and did the majority of my early driving there and most of my trial driving. Uh, it was a really good facility and in a great location. Unfortunately, it was uh, let, let fall away really over the last probably 10 years and it's something that I'm sure the industry regrets now but um, there, was, there should have been a place for Fairfield but, mm-hmm. yeah, times, times move on and, unfortunately, we had to say goodbye to it 18 months ago.
0: For the first few years of your career, you worked for Dad and all you did was drive horses on a freelance basis. You were certainly never short of drives and you drove for many different stables, Blake, large and small.
1: Yes, that's right, Johnny. Um, at that period when I was a junior driver, it was a really good place to be in New South Wales. There was a number of good opportunities for concession drivers, and I was fortunate where I was driving. Majority of my driving was for Dad's stable, which was very strong at that time. And but Dad was quite flexible and always allowed us to drive for other stables also. So, yes, for that first four or five years of my driving. I did do a lot of freelance driving and drove for a lot of the leading stables, which is always a big, a big advantage, um, getting on the right horses in the right races.
0: Well, Dad was happy enough for you to drive Brian Hancock's horses, some of which were owned by a fellow called John Starr, who's so well known in the real estate world. He later became a client of the Fitzpatrick Stable and still is.
1: Yeah, that's right. Johnny, um John Starr's been with me pretty much from the start. He's I first met John Starr through Brian Hancock, who uh, Brian Hancock had a lot of success with Johnny He trained a number of great horses for John Starr and when Brian decided to retire from training, he recommended to John that he send his horses to dad and that's when that association started with dad so mm. um, dad and John Starr have had a great run over the last 10 years have also had a number of great horses and had hundreds of winners so it's an association that's gone for gone on for a long time and been very successful but yeah John Starr's been very loyal to me he's been a great client and He's very passionate about the industry, um, both racing and breeding, so the industry's a lot better off with John Starr.
0: Now, Blake, uh, one of the good horses you drove early on for Brian Hancock and John Starr was a horse called Selby Bromack. You won five races on him, including the Cordina Sprint in 2003. Then he ran fifth in the Miracle Mile, to Sokiola. But later, the following year... You got your first Group One on this horse, the South Australian Cup, and he beat sokiola He turned the tables.
1: Yeah, that's right, Johnny. It was a night I'll never forget. He's Selby Browne was a great horse to me, and he was a typical Brian Hancock horse. As anyone that's followed Brian's career, he had the uncanny knack of nurturing horses along and and being patient, and and, just, and they will just improve with every preparation and. Selby, Selby Bromack was a horse that went from just a moderate mid mid midweek horse at Harold Park to eventually get through to Green Circuit path And mm. that night in South Australia was definitely a night we'll never forget. He came from the outside of the second row in a really good field of horses. Things horses like Sochiola and Double Identity and Mr. DJ and yeah, he came from the back half of the field and I think got there right on the line. So from memory, I think he was 50 or 60 to 1. So, yeah, it's definitely a night I'll never forget. He
0: was $51 to be exact. You blew the punters out of the water.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one was expecting me to come down the outside of me. That's for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a great, a great night, John.
0: Brian had a mare called Patuza who had so much natural ability, it wasn't funny. She won a total of 19 races. You won eight of them on her. She won five straight at one stage, Blake. She could get a bit hot, couldn't she?
1: Yeah, she could. She was a highly strung mare, Johnny, but but a brilliant mare. She had so much high speed and so much raw natural talent. So, um, yeah, she was a filly that probably never quite lived up to her expectations Um, through niggling issues that she had throughout her career, but Mm. um, definitely one of the most talented horses I've driven.
0: Sand Pebbles was a terrific mare from Western Australia who spent some time here in Sydney. You won a ladyship mile on Sand Pebbles and you ran second to Sokiola in a miracle mile. And, you know, a lot of people that night, Blake, thought you might cross Sokiola, but it was never going to happen.
1: No, it wasn't Johnny. She was a had brilliant gait speed and loved the mile and loved Harold Park. But, yeah, I just couldn't get across Stoke Harrell that night. He had enough speed to hold me, but he was a great, tough old campaigner and a very hard mm. horse to get around. But Yeah, Sam Pebbles was a, a great mare who had a great career. And um, Brian, she came over from Colin Brown over in Western Australia. She was a well-credentialed mare when she did come over, but mm. Brian – Probably took her to that next level and she competed well against the Grand Circuit horses for a number of seasons.
0: Mm. You got to drive a real champion very late in his career, a New Zealander called Terror to Love. 31 wins, 22 placings, 2.3 million, and three New Zealand Cups. I think you drove him twice, Blake, didn't you, in an inter Dominion here in Sydney?
1: Yeah, that's right, Johnny. I drove him in the final here where he led for most of the way and I uh, just tired the last bit but yeah he was a, a, one of the champions that's come over from New Zealand and as you said to win three New Zealand Cups it's unheard of so he was a, a great staying horse and I obviously didn't drive him in the, uh, in the in the heights of his career but he was yeah I was grateful for that drive in the Inter-Dominion
0: mm.
1: um, I think Bowtie won the race yes so he did right, but Yeah, just one of the true champions that's come across from New Zealand.
0: I've just jotted down another couple here that you drove for your dad, Marquis de Posh, another John Star horse, a brilliant filly. Uh, Early in her career, she won eight straight at one stage, culminating in the New South Wales Oaks, and she beat a good field in that classic.
1: Yeah, she did, Johnny. She led most of the way that night and, she, as you said, she was a brilliant high-speed filly, a great juvenile. and uh, Dad had her from an, from an unraced filly from New Zealand and he did a terrific job with her. He, she just continued to improve with every preparation and, um, yeah, a very fast filly that's now doing the job at starting. Um, definitely one of the better horses John Starr's had.
0: One of the horses to really get Dad going after he moved down to Cordor was a horse called Gull King. He won twenty six races in all. You drove him thirteen or fourteen times in in those in, in wins. You won thirteen or fourteen on him.
1: Yeah, he was a, a great horse to me also. And Dad uh, Johnny, Dad purchased the horse off Ray and Faye Wisby, who, as you know, have had some champion horses throughout their career, and mm. he. He came to us, um, also a well-credentialed horse, and he went through his classes very quickly. Uh, He won the carousel and made it through to Grand Circuit Company. Uh, I think he was just beaten in the Kilmore Cup one year, ran second, and just a good, tough-staying horse that came at the right time for both me and for Dad, or for Dad's stable also, and um, really gave the stable a kick along. So, yeah, he was a, a terrific horse to the stable.
0: Another one to give the stable a kick along was Emma's Only, who started with Karen Manning in Victoria uh, but finished up winning 16 races from your camp.
1: Yeah, he is a very natural horse, a great juvenile also, and uh, a, a, also a very fast horse, good gated horse. and Yeah, Dad did a terrific job with him also. He went right through to Grand Circuit Company and mm. uh, unfortunately injury ended his career, but he was a... As you stated, a horse that came along at the right time just to to boost the stable's profile and and also myself as a driver. Mm.
0: I recall you winning a Derby at Harold Park on a horse called Beach Fighter, trained by Peter Dewsbury. He beat a couple of good ones, Mafioso and Tanabi Bromac. He only had 27 runs, Blake. I've never spoken to Peter about him, but obviously something was wrong. He never won again after that derby and was very lightly raced, 27 starts.
1: Yeah, Johnny, he was a a well-bred horse and a, a horse that actually Gavin did the majority of his driving. Mm. Um, and I think in that that night of the final of the derby, Gavin was committed to a horse of dad's, so I was fortunate enough to get the drive on Beach Fighter and mm. he just landed the right spot on the right night. I think I was three cents and the race was truly was run and I was able to get out at the right time but it was a, a terrific run from the horse that night and mm. it was a, a a great thrill being good friends with Peter Jewsbury and his family and just the the kick they got out of that night was yeah, it was great to be around. But Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately I think the horse had some issues after that race and has ended up doing the majority of his racing in America since. Mm. But, yeah, a horse he was a horse that probably never went on to reach his full potential. Mm. But, yeah, it was a, a great night that night.
0: You know, Blake, an illustration of the old adage that you should never sack them too early was a mare called Dance of Life. Now, early on, you and Dad and Gavin thought very little of her. Her track work was ordinary, her first couple of trials were ordinary. You were very close to showing her the door but you decided on one last trial and thank goodness you did. She finished up winning 22 races.
1: Yeah, that, that's correct, Johnny. It's, a, it's quite a funny story. We Obviously we train out here on the farm and it's quite a relaxed, laid-back surroundings and We'd had dance alive since a yearling and she was a very plain track worker. She's only a pony. She wouldn't mm. have been much bigger than fourteen two and uh yeah, quite unimpressive on the track and I, I recall dad saying, Oh I think this Philly's struggling, I think we might take her to the trials next week and mm. and just to get her off the farm because she'd never been off the farm before and Yeah. And just see what she can do. If she can't break a thirty and quarter, uh, a quarter and thirty, I think we're going to struggle with her. So Mm. I think we took her to Menangle Trials the following week, and she just did enough. She just did enough to continue on to the next set of trials, and just every time Dad took her away, she got better and better. And Mm. surprisingly, surprisingly to us all, she just, as a three-year, I went to the next level, and she just had a great will to win, Johnny, and a Mm. really determined filly, and. She, she shocked us all throughout her whole career. To be honest, yeah, she got to the heights that she did, and just I don't think I'd driven a more determined filly, really, that mm. just really knuckled down and wanted to find the line. And yeah, yeah, she's she was a terrific filly for for both us and for Matthew Samplon that that breeder, and mm. he uh, had a great great career with her.
0: She won a Victorian Oaks and she won a Queen of the Pacific. And all from a filly that you thought was not much hope.
1: Yeah, that's right. All it all a bonus because at one stage we'll just be happy if she'd make the races, and when she won a race, we thought that was great. But she just continued to improve, Johnny. And mm. ever since that day, we've never sacked the horse without trialing it. So mm. <laughs> we've uh, we've learned our lesson.
0: Couple of other really good fillies, Blake, that uh, Dad trained and you drove regularly. I'm a spicy Lombo. She won twenty four races. Did you drive her when she won the Queensland Oaks?
1: Uh, yes, I did, Johnny. She mm. she was a another really brilliant three year old filly. Um, she had a terrific year that year. She was very highly strung, but had a lot of gate speed and. Yeah, Dad did a terrific job with her. She she had a hard two year old season and Dad was able to get her back as a three year old and mm. took her to the next level. So mm. yeah, she was a fantastic filly for the stable.
0: And pro to Corey, she did a wonderful job too.
1: She did, Johnny. She was a brilliant juvenile and she raced in all the all the group races as a two and three year old and she was another one that was quite a highly strung filly that could over race at times, but mm. her manners probably cost her Winning more group ones, but um, yeah, a brilliant high-speed filly.
0: Yeah, gee, I remember one night, Blake. <laughs> she she got on her bike with you. It was the Queensland Oaks. Uh, I think she choked down. She really pulled.
1: Yeah, she did. I knew I was in trouble trouble with a lap to go. She was <laughs> she was out of out of control, and um, yeah, over the, the mile and a half. It's not not the right time to be pulling Johnny.
0: No. <laughs> Blake, stand by there, mate. We'll just take a quick break on the podcast. Back after this. Saturday, March 2nd is a very important date on the harness racing calendar. This is the night when Tapcorp Park Menangle will host the richest harness race in the Southern Hemisphere, the $1 million Ainsworth Miracle Mile. This kind of prize money will bring together a field capable of world record time over the lightning fast Menangle Mile. The Miracle Mile will be one of six Group 1 races on the card. There'll be all sorts of entertainment for the whole family and on-course dining is first class. Get a group of friends together and go harness racing at TAPCOR Parkman Angle for the $1 million Ainsworth Miracle Mile, a unique sporting event. My special guest is champion race driver Blake Fitzpatrick. Blake, you've always loved a trotter, and you get on very well with them. In fact, almost half the team you're training currently are trotters. Now, one night at a function not too long ago at Penrith, you and I were chatting about the good horses you've driven, and you absolutely floored me when you said the best horse you've ever driven is a trotter, a horse called Keystone Dell.
1: Yeah, that, that's correct, Johnny. He he was a brilliant horse in in the height of his in the peak of his career he was a brilliant horse he had just so much high speed he could sprint like a pacer and he was so well-gated Johnny he for probably a 2 year period he just dominated the trotting ranks in mm. New South Wales and Victoria and anyone that followed that horse's career would know that on Nicole Melander that trained the horse she did a fantastic job with him he mm. when he came over from New Zealand he was a um, he was a bit of a rogue, I think. It, was, it would be fair to say he had a tendency to jib, and and we had, at some periods we had trouble even getting him on the track. But mm. uh, Nicole persevered with him and spent a lot of time with him, straightening out his manners. And he just got more confident and 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 trotted better the longer Nicole had him. So mm. he was by far the fastest trotter I've driven, and yeah, I'd still say to this day, when he was at his best, he was. Possibly the best horse I've driven.
0: Mm. You won 23 races on him, Blake. I think Gavin got on him once. You must have been unavailable.
1: Yeah, I was probably suspended, Johnny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I find that hard to believe.
1: (laughs) It's the story of my life.
0: Well, Blake, you you do have a rather uh, healthy number of suspensions on your CV and, uh, you know, most people who know you well and most people who've – Used you on horses as I have, all agree that a lot of it, much like Malcolm Johnston in his uh, golden days, trying too hard.
1: Yeah, I think that that's been my nature from day one, Johnny. I've been over over competitive at times, and um, I've, I've spent something like over twelve months of my career out in suspensions. So, mm. um, yeah, it's obviously not something I'm proud of, but that's just. My nature and the way I am, so <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever change. I have cleaned up my driving record in the last two years, two to three years, but, mm. yeah, un- unfortunately for me, I've spent a lot of time on the sidelines and missed a lot of opportunities, but that's just the way I am, unfortunately.
0: Competitive.
1: Yeah, over-competitive, some people call it. Desperation.
0: Now, Blake, another nice Victorian mare you drove one night at the old Harold Park track was Deanna Troy. You won the Ladyship Mile with her.
1: Yeah, Johnny, I was I was surprised actually when I got the call from, from Gavin Lang, who was someone that I've always looked up to and as you know, he's been the benchmark of, the, of driving for the last, 30 years and at the time Gavin was unwell and uh, he had taken a, a step back from driving and yeah I was, I was flattered when Gavin then called me and asked me if I could drive her in the Ladyship Mile and to go on and win that race for him was yeah a very special night
0: Now just before we leave the trotting ranks uh, some nice ones you've trained in recent times Vincennes uh, a prolific winner Did a very good job. My Valerie was another nice trotter. And you won a derby with Fiery Mountain Girl.
1: Yeah, Johnny, they were actually all three horses owned by Pat Driscoll, who we had a good association with for a number of years. Um, Pat's been a a big breeder of trotting and has put a lot of money into the industry. And we had probably up to 20 horses in work for Pat. For quite a long while, when he was here in New South Wales, and they're all really bred, are really well bred horses who most of them went on and did terrific jobs. So, yeah, we've had a number of good juvenile trotters, and yeah, like, like you said earlier, we've really enjoyed training the trotters, and it's something that we want to continue on
0: with. A lot of astute trotting punters listen to the podcast, Blake, so they'll be absolutely hanging out for a, a future winner or two. Now they tell me you've got a new one in the stable you've got a lot of time for. His name is, uh, he better step aside. He's by better's delight. I think he won four or five in New Zealand before coming over.
1: Yeah, that's right, Johnny. He's a, a quite a smart horse that's raced in the really good company in New Zealand and he's just had the one start for us here in Australia which he won in, at Menangle probably four months ago now and He's a horse that will, should get through to the open class ranks and he's trying to get into the Chariots of Fire, which is on in the next, the qualifiers are on in early February. So, yeah, he's definitely a horse worth following over the next couple of months too.
0: Now, the shame might apply to Leonidas, who missed a run at Penrith the other night when they were washed out.
1: Yeah, he a, was a smart juvenile. He won six races as a two-year-old, which is never easy to do, but. He's come back a lot stronger this season and, yeah, he's, he's a horse that will obviously race through the Derbys and the Breeders Challenge Series. So, yeah, quite a smart horse and, yeah, should win plenty of races, John.
0: Now, Pat Stanley has already won five races for you, but I noticed, Blake, you've been keeping him out of town, off-Broadway, as they say in the show business <laughs> world. Uh, you'll be stepping him up this time in, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, definitely, Johnny. He's a horse that was very immature as a three-year-old, and we were just keeping him away from them better horses, really. So, but this preparation, he's worked up a lot better. He's a lot stronger mentally and physically. So, mm. yeah, he'll be heading to England in, in the next fortnight and should get through his classes you know, quite comfortably.
0: Blake, have you got an unraced trotter there by the name of Muscles Galore?
1: I do have a horse here called Muscles Galore. He's actually from – has come over from New Zealand, Johnny, and um, a very talented trotter that, yeah, will probably be hitting the track mid-February, Johnny. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, a a horse definitely worth following.
0: Yeah, he hasn't started yet, has he?
1: Not in Australia. He has raced in New Zealand. Oh, has he? Yeah. Yeah, we haven't produced him here yet.
0: Now, another young trotter in the camp is Caligula. Caligula.
1: Yeah, Caligula, he ran fifth in the Breeders' Crown Final last year as a two year old. Uh, he's probably a fortnight off racing also and has come back a lot a lot more mature and stronger this time. So yeah, he he'll head to the foundation series and then on to the Derbies here in New South Wales. Mm.
0: Like quite a few harness trainers, you've tried your hand with Gallopers and you've won a few races but you simply couldn't keep going, Blake. It was logistically impossible for you to work 25 or 30 harness horses and two or three gallopers at the same time because you had to go into Warwick Farm once or twice a week to gallop. You just didn't have the time.
1: No, that's right, Johnny, and it was something that both myself and Dad always wanted to do. Um, We love the thoroughbred racing and it's so professional and it's just a great sport to be a part of and yeah we were fortunate enough we won a few races and had some really nice horses. Uh, we trained a few for John Starr and Matthew Samblom and uh, yeah we really enjoyed our time in the thoroughbred industry and I'm sure we will head back that way at some time but as you stated out here at the farm we just didn't have a track big enough where we could gallop Gallop, and we were floating them into our farm once or twice a week and we had the services of Brian Wood which we were very grateful for and mm. um, he was riding all of our track work but yeah it just became too hard we got too big and too busy with the paces and the trotters so yeah um yeah we just we'll put it to the side for now but I'm sure we'll return
0: but Blake you would jump on and trot and canter them around the trotting track there at Cordor
1: yeah that's right I rode all their work here at home and and did ride some work at Warwick farm but yeah, the more serious work I left to, to Brian. Th- he was a mm. professional, and yeah, and a great rider, so a terrific judge.
0: Well, in the meantime, you continue with a team of thirty horses. I think a dozen trotters amongst that lot, with valuable help from young Jack Trainer, who's driven well over two hundred winners himself. He's a very big help to you.
1: Yeah, he's he's the foreman here, and he's a terrific worker and. It's great to see his career that's improved and growing all the time. He's really established himself as a driver here in in New South Wales and I've noticed with him over the last two seasons he's he's really pa- he's driving's getting more patient and it's showing on the track. Johnny's results have been terrific. He had a great year last year and mm. he's still driving for some of the the biggest stables which is a uh, credit in itself.
0: Your wife Lisa has been with horses all of her life, with standard breads all of her life. In fact, and she plays a major role around the stable.
1: Yeah, that's right. Lisa's the backbone of the stable, and she's a terrific horsewoman in herself, and uh, and an outstanding worker, Johnny. And yeah, we'd definitely be lost without her. And she's she's very passionate about the industry. She loves breeding and. She loves going to the yearling sales, and yeah, she's obviously the daughter of Ray and Faye Wisby. So, mm. uh, Lisa's grown up with horses all of her life, and yeah, we'd be lost without her.
0: And what of the kids, Blake? Uh, does the hereditary factor come into it there?
1: Ah, uh, well, there's Ethan, Zara, and Ava, and uh, at this stage, Zara is probably the the one that's the most interested in the horses, and she she rides and. She drives the mini trotters and she's also just started driving track work here at home. So, oh. yeah, she's, she's very passionate about the horses and is probably the one that's at this stage looking more likely to carry on with harness racing.
0: You won two Harold Park Premierships before the closure of that wonderful old track, one of them when you were 18 years old. You've driven more than 100 winners in a season eight times. Your best was 2005-06 when you won 165 races in the state. The 2000 might seem a long way off, Blake. You've got 120 to go, but it gives you a great incentive, doesn't it, over the next 12 months?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Johnny. It's something to strive for, I'll be trying to get there as quickly as possible so um yeah i've, I've had a great career and it's it's a great industry harness racing it's taking me to so many different places over over the world really johnny and yeah i'll be forever grateful to the sport and like you said winning them harold park premierships at a young age was something that i always strive to do and I grew up going to Harold Park as a young kid with Dad on Friday nights, whether we had runners or not. And, mm. um, there were some champion drivers at the time. And, yeah, for me to – when I did win the premiership at only 18, it was yeah. it was surreal. It was surreal, really, Johnny. And, mm. um, yeah, it was something that I set out to do. And I was fortunate enough I had Dad's stable behind me who had some great horses at the time. But without that, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But, mm. Yeah, it was a, a great moment in my life.
0: You've been rated very, very highly by experts, horsemen, fellow horsemen and harness racing aficionados from the time you first stepped onto the track. Uh, there's no doubt, Blake, you, you figure, in my opinion, in the top bracket of Australian race drivers. I've never asked you this question before. How would you describe... Your way of doing it. How would you describe your method, uh, your style, uh, your affinity with harness horses?
1: Ah, that's a tricky, tr- uh, tricky question, John. Um, yeah, I think as far as driving is, I, I would probably like to think of myself as a more patient driver and. Um. Yeah, someone that's. I mean, I've had a lot of experience and a lot of practice at it, Johnny, over a number of years. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that always helps. But um. Yeah, I don't know. It's something that probably Dad would be able to answer that better than me. But um, yeah, yeah,
0: I've
1: never, I've never really thought of it, Johnny, to be honest. But. Mm. Um, I thought that yeah,
0: one would trick you. Yeah, no, don't you. <laughs> yeah, you're far too humble to even attempt to give me an answer. So let me simply say that you just happen to be one of the best harness drivers I have ever seen and it was always a delight to have you on one of mine it didn't happen all that often but it was uh, it was always uh, very very fulfilling and rewarding when you went out on one of mine over the years good on you blake thanks for your time on the podcast i've enjoyed it immensely and keep up the good work mate and by the end of the season uh, which will be august 31st 2019 let's hope you can get to that 2000 mark let's
1: hope and uh, you think Um, Thanks very much, Johnny. Thanks for having
0: me. Saturday, March 2nd is a very important date on the harness racing calendar. This is the night when Tapcorp Park Menangle will host the richest harness race in the Southern Hemisphere, the $1 million Ainsworth Miracle Mile. This kind of prize money will bring together a field capable of world record time over the lightning fast Menangle Mile. The Miracle Mile will be one of six Group One races on the card. There'll be all sorts of entertainment for the whole family, and on course dining is first class. Get a group of friends together and go harness racing at TAPCOR Parkman Angle for the $1 million Ainsworth Miracle Mile, a unique sporting event.